Okay, we'll go ahead and start off here, and uh, this is our Bible study, weekly Bible study for, um, it's September, I believe it's 3rd, 2006, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and get into some, I got another last trumpet newsletter from uh, David Meyer, and uh, I read some things in this that I'm, I'm always amazed when I read his newsletters because... Um, I don't know how he gets all of his news. He's actually on my on my email list, but he gets news I don't even see. And how he gets it all, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but it's pretty amazing what, what he has uh, in this issue. The title of this issue is A Global Population <clears throat> Under the Antichrist Misguidance. And a few Bible verses he always starts out with. Um, first one is Second uh, John 7 through 11 and that says quote for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh this is a deceiver and an antichrist look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought in other words things that you wrought are things like, like rewards um, that, that because the Bible says you know the judgment seat of Christ you can receive rewards Okay, but it says, "Look to yourself that we lose not those things which ye have wrought." I think the main way you do that is by not enduring to the end, because the Bible says that you know when you, you we will faint if if you uh, endure and you faint not, you will receive a reward. It says, "If you faint not, if you don't endure to the end, you will lose your reward." Essentially. Is, is what I, all the indications I've seen in the Bible. Now, I don't mean that necessarily that means you're going to go to hell, okay? But you can go to the judgment seat of Christ. And if you're, you're, if you're at the judgment seat of Christ, you're not going to hell. Um, but are your works going to be burned up as wood, hair, or stubble? Or are they going to be tried in the fire as gold, silver, and precious stones? That's the difference. So, um, and then it says, some will be saved, yet so is by fire in that particular verse. So there's going to be, I believe, many, especially in today's day and age, that will that will be saved, but they'll be saved, yet so is by fire. How that all plays out, I don't know, but it doesn't sound real great to me, because you're not going to really have any uh, rewards to speak of in heaven, because they were they were built on the wrong foundation, and maybe you didn't endure to the end. Maybe you gave up on God and said, "I'm done. I'm out of here. I can't take any more." And you could have worked your whole life. But that's why I believe it says, looking, looking um, to the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ, and, and you know, it, and it refers to this thing that we're in as a race, and that we're not supposed to faint or give up. So it says, it says, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. So we want to receive a full reward. Um, whosoever transgresseth transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God so right now you've got a lot of people that are confessing Christ but they're not abiding in Christ they're not abiding in the doctrine of Christ it says right there that it said they have not God now that's not good um, to me that that's basically more of a saved unsaved thing more than anything I don't think that's um, really having to do with reward so much. Uh, and that's why the Bible says, by their fruit you shall know them. If you see somebody 
Lord Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are my, my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Okay, so it says, if ye continue in my word, Jesus said that, then ye are my disciples indeed. And then ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So there's a lot of conditions in that verse. Continuing in his word is the foundation for all that. Um, and here's the foundation. Abiding not in the doctrine of Christ. If you don't do that, you have not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. Well now, see, there's, there's other ways you can check your, yourself as a Christian. Are you abiding in the doctrine of Christ? Well, to me, I, I derive comfort from those verses because if, if I'm abiding in these doctrines, if, if I'm reading the Word of God, and I'm abiding in it, the Bible says He hath both the Father and the Son. Okay, so you can turn this around into a positive way too. It doesn't have to all be negative. You can actually turn it into a positive thing and say, yeah, I'm doing that. I mean, granted, it's not to say you're walking in sinless perfection, but, you know, you, you're, you can be doing that. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house. Neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. You know, and um, I remember there was this lady uh, that was probably had um, more sin in her life than, than anybody I had known. And what's um, up right there? Sorry, I'm killing a bug. Um, anyway, um, and she came up to the church, and I had given this. I don't know, this testimony one time how I dealt with a Jehovah Witness. And I, I don't know whether I wasn't watching what I was saying, but I, I said something to the effect that, that I had told her that, um, or I had told the people that when, when this person got real flustered and uh, angry and walked out on me, they, she, didn't, she didn't want to debate with me because I, I started bringing up a lot of things about the Jehovah Witnesses. Um, about how they've made all those false predictions and, and all this other junk that, that, that they've done and they and supposedly their writings are in the Watchtower magazine are angelically inspired and I asked her, I said, if they're angelically inspired, why have you predicted the end of the world so wrong so many times? And at the time, I even had all the years memorized of all the years they had predicted the end of the world wrong. <laughs> she got mad. She walked out of there and I, I said something to the effect in my testimony like, God bless you or whatever. And I don't even know if I said that, but she came up to me afterwards. She says, Bible says you're not even supposed to give him God's speed lest you be partakers of the plague. And I was like, yeah, you're right. That's true. But I thought to myself, people will look when they've got tons of sin in their life, like this particular woman did, one of the worst I've ever been around, and yet she can strain in a gnat and swallow a camel. Now, granted, she I, I really did need to be told that, but of all people to tell me that though that's the, that was the problem I had with it more than anything um, but yeah you, you see a lot of that in today's day and age um, it says for he that biddeth him God speak is, is partakers of his evil deeds so yeah we want to be careful what we say to these people um, God's speed bidding somebody God's speed would be like may God bless you in an expedient manner in, 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 in what you're doing Okay, and you don't want to just do that. It's not a, a term used very much anymore. You know, you just don't hear, oh, I bid you God speed, my brother. You know, you don't, you don't hear that a whole lot in the out in the uh, thing. So, um, 
what the, the, the big thing now that they're doing, Doug, is punching fists. You see all the guys? Yeah, they'll go up, they'll go up to each other and the, yeah, they punch fists. That's how a lot of people. I, <laughs> um, that's how a lot of, especially particularly the younger. But now it's getting up to where you know, 20, 30 year olds. You'll see them when they go up to somebody. Hey, how's it going? And they punch fists. They they just go like this. They don't shake hands anymore. They punch fists. Yeah. It's it's so asinine. It's so asinine. But yeah, you see a lot of that um, in the world today. Um, then there's another verse. First John 2:18 says, "Little children." It is the last time. And as you have heard, the Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that, we know that it is the last time. So, how, well, how do we know it's the last time? Well, there's a lot of different ways you can prove that thing out. But when you see a lot of Antichrists coming, and this does not mean the Antichrist, capital A. This is little a. Okay, so Antichrist. What's an Antichrist? Somebody that's against the doctrine. Somebody that's preaching another doctrine. Contrary to the, doc, the the gospel of Christ, and we're, we really all the modern day apostate religions are all of that spirit, um, and you're seeing it more and more and more. Then Second Thessalonians two three says, "Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first of the church." This is the apostasy. Um, that's actually translated ap- ap- apostia ap- apostia apostasy, the falling away in the Bible and and then it says that the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition Okay, now it says that there come a falling away first and and that man of sin be revealed now we're not taught that in the church we're taught falling away rapture the church antichrist is revealed but it says here, it says that in conjunction with the falling away, because it says and, that man will soon be revealed. Now we had a man here not too long ago, that this is pretty much the reason he left this Bible study. Because this is when where he had all the problem with this. And I, I kept telling him, um, I'm not going to mention his name, but I kept telling him, he even called me on the phone. I said, I can't help what the Bible says. It says and... It doesn't say after. It says and. That's a. It's something that happens in conjunction with this. Now, I had never really saw it before, but I started reading the Bible. I mean, this. I mean, not. I mean, in the last couple of years, I've, I've known about this. But as I started reading the Bible, I said, "Well, that's. I don't know how any other way you can look at that. I don't know any other way you can look at that. Now, how this might all develop." falling away of the church. We're in full swing of that right now. No doubt about it. We could have... Um, here's how I think it's going to develop. And I think David Bay has done some really good research on this. Most likely, the thing that's going to bring about the tribulation is going to be World War III. And that World War III is going to be um, the Israel and most likely America backing Israel against the Middle East. Okay? And... I believe this war is going to be contrived. I believe it's going to be pre-planned because they plan all the world wars out. These world wars that we supposedly were in because of the evil Germans and all this other stuff, they were actually planned behind the scenes. And and I could prove that out too. That would take me a long time. But it's it's a proven fact. War is is the greatest way that these people can make money. 
because they're the ones that, owns, that own all the, the, the uh, military industrial things that make all of the guns and the bullets and the tanks and all that other stuff. And that war, what war does is it brings about change. It's a controlled chaos and conflict that brings about a very controlled change. And when you come out on the other side, everybody feels comes out small like a rose because the, the people that are manipulating this thing to happen have manipulated it from day one. And what ends up happening is, is you know, everybody supposedly has their freedom restored and rah, 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 sis, boom, bah, and, and this is great and, and we got our freedom back when it was all contrived to begin with. World War One, World War Two, the Korean conflict, Vietnam, you could go through them all. And again, I don't have time to go, get in all that today, but um, World War Three is going to most likely be the thing that brings about the, the, the Antichrist. How's that going to happen? Well, when this World War Three happens, and we go to bat against um, the Middle East, most likely with Israel, and I'm glad we're not against Israel. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> if we were to totally go against Israel at this point, I think that would... I don't know, maybe that's the only reason God hasn't lowered the boom on us yet. Other than his praying remnant. I mean, I mean, you know, if he spared the whole city of Sodom and Gomorrah for basically one whom God termed just man, of course, you look at Lot and you say, how could God have thought that about Lot? He was going to... Oh yeah, have my little girl. Yeah, you go, yeah. You take my little girl, have sex. My two little girls? I don't think so. Uh-uh. Those angels are big boys. They can defend themselves. <laughs> you ain't taking my little girl. Um, but the Bible says that Lot was a just man. Praise God. You know, I mean, I take comfort in that too because, I mean, that that's pretty neat. Um, but... He, he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, but he spared Lot and his family because God viewed Lot as a, as a just man. So I don't believe he's just going to rain down, let, let the fury of God rain down on America and destroy the, every bit of remnant in him. I just don't believe that's going to happen. I don't think, scripturally speaking, I've ever seen that ever happen. Okay, so I don't believe that's going to happen. Does that mean that we're going to have a bed of roses? No. No, not at all. But um, I think the Lord's getting ready to do some pretty mighty things through His faithful remnant. Because, see, the apostate remnants had their chance. I mean, they're, they're up there doing what they're doing and, 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 and making this big show. And they got their mega churches and they got their, their Toronto revivals and they got, you know, they're barking like dogs and slithering around like snakes and, 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 and speaking in, in um, uh, all these false tongues and stuff. I think God's letting them have it their way for a time. Because He always does that in the Bible. He always lets them have it their way for a time. And they're storing up wrath. So, this falling away is in full swing. And what's going to most likely happen is the Antichrist, out of the ashes of World War III, is going to come and say, hey, I've got the solution. And he's going to be a man of peace. He's going to come with a man, as a man of peace. And basically, this is when he's going to be revealed. Before, prior to the tribulation. And then, the Bible says in Daniel, it says that he will confirm the covenant for a week. Well, that's the seven year tribulation, this covenant that he's talking about. And when he confirms the covenant, when they sign this agreement with Israel, that's when the tribulation most likely is going to start. I think biblically speaking. But see, he's going to be revealed... 
He's going to have to be revealed before the covenant can be confirmed. So that seems to me the most biblically plausible way that this is going to all play out. And this could happen very soon because the Middle East is like a powder keg waiting to go off. I mean, it, it's all kind of stuff going on in there right now anyway. So I'm going to, um, in, this, in this issue of the Last Trumpet Newsletter, we will examine a spiritual condition that has swept across our world and around the globe in the last days before the return of our gracious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a sad fact that the entire world is currently under the misguidance of a strange and clandestine spirit that is that true and discerning Christians understand is the spirit of Antichrist. This is especially true of the United States of America where many people still blindly trust their leaders of the church and state while these leaders are methodically bringing them to the very gates of death and of hell. The New World Order has risen up almost unnoticed by the vast majority of American people. And while words such as liberty and freedom remain in the vocabulary of citizens, these words have become shadows of the of a past reality of the past in the reality of a new and different United States, which has been reduced to nothing more than a codependent union of new globalism concept of one world government. We have all seen and have been seeing the vast changes that have been taking place in our country. The discerning people have watched with shock and awe as government, religion, and society in general have been twisted and contorted into a grotesque product of a luministic and antichrist design. This has happened for one basic reason. And that is because people did not care that it was happening. As the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 57.1, The righteous perish, the righteous per- perisheth, and no man lay it to heart. That's the day and time we're living in, right there. No man lay it to heart. People have blindly trusted their leaders in government while they led them to a global interdependence and have destroyed the sovereignty of America. People blindly trusted their religious leaders as they transformed churches, places where spiritual battles are supposed to be fought, into societies of entertainment, foolishness, and compromise. People blindly trusted their medical doctors while they injected them with mercury, aluminum, and many other vaccines, toxic vaccines, which produce epidemics of autism, Alzheimer's, cancer, and numerous other deadly diseases. It's proven fact. These vaccinations, they're loaded with aluminum, mercury, uh, many of them are grown off aborted babies, 13 of the vaccines, 13 are grown off aborted fetal tissue. Um, they got formaldehyde in the vaccines, which what they embalm people with. They've got they, they grow some of the vaccines on Reese's green monkey kidneys. Uh, some of the vaccines are grown off chicken embryos. Some of them are grown off aborted babies. It's, it's a stinking witch's brew. Oh, and let's eject that right into the bloodstream, which is a totally unnatural way to ins- receive anything in your system. Your your immune system becomes totally overwhelmed. It's like, what is this? All of a sudden, in my bloodstream, what is this? Normally you either inhale it, you ingest it. Your body can deal with things a lot better that way. But when you inject it straight in your bloodstream, your immune system is like, whoa. What it does is it causes what they call autoimmune responses. Meaning your your immune system, the automatic system of your immune system, your autoimmune system, starts to attack itself. Because it doesn't know what's in it. This is why all these diseases like lupus and um, uh, multiple sclerosis and... um, uh, there's one called Chodron's Syndrome. A lot of these, what they call autoimmune diseases, rheumatoid arthritis, are caused from the vaccinations. Okay? So, 
you know, it, it's just a sign of the times, I guess. Um, when you have a nation that so badly wants their sin, God will let them have it that way. But they're going to bear the consequences of everything else, too. And that's what that's the day and time we're living in. Uh, most people stood idly by and did nothing while 70 million babies were brutally butchered in the wombs of their mothers at the behest of the United States Supreme Court. This is the now. This is very interesting. This point. This is the equivalent of 23 percent of our current population has been mutilated. Okay. Now that's if you look at worldwide the statistics, it's over a billion that's been killed since the early 1900s, and it may, may be more, way more than even a billion. But I know it's at least a billion. Now a billion babies, blood crying out from the land. I mean, how could God not judge that? It's, he'd have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's not going to do that. So, it's just a matter of time. Um, the gape, Now, listen to this. This is amazing. So, we had a 23% um, of our population was killed through abortion. That gaping hole that was left by our nation's program of mass murder is now being filled by the illegal aliens. I had never thought about it that way. That's why we got to truck all the illegal aliens in, because see, all those people that would have normally been born in to the United States, who would have actually been paying into Social Security, of course, I'm not... That's a whole other story, but... That would have been contributing to the labor force, they're not there. Not only that, when, when you butcher 23% of your population, that's going to bring, you're going to bring a curse on the nation. Their, their innocent blood is going to cry out from the land and you're bringing a curse on the nation. Well, that curse has partly been in, 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 in part with the uh, legal aliens. Okay? It's, we're reaping what we've sowed. So, the gaping hole that was left by our nation's program of mass murders being filled by the illegal aliens who have been bought, brought in to, to be a managed herd of obedient workers in the New World Order. These people will be far more willing as stooges than those who were born in America and still remember how America used to be. <clears throat> These illegal aliens will also be victimized by the Antichrist system in their new land as they breathe the contaminated air from the chemtrails. Now that's what they're spraying in the air to kill us. Okay, I did a whole other email on that. It's one of the reasons why so many people are getting lung cancer. That and the depleted uranium that is being used in the ballistics all around the world, that's getting into the air, and you're seeing this explosion in lung cancer. i got all these lung cancer patients that are, that are popping up now. And it's very aggressive lung cancer. Um, these illegal aliens will be victimized by the Antichrist system in their new land uh, as they breathe the contaminated air from chemtrails, drink water laced with chlorine and fluoride, and they're putting the chlorine and the fluoride in to kill us too, Okay. Or, and to make us sick, because the sick population is very easy to control. That's why you need to filter your water. Um, they receive their immunizations, and so on. You, you could go so far off on that, and that's what I do. That's my main thrust, what he just talked about there. Um, but again, we, we, we don't have time to get into all that today. They will find out also in the United States of America, the land of my birth and the land that I love has become a killing floor of the Antichrist spirits and, the hum and, and his human administrators. Um, <clears throat> wars and rumors of wars are constant at this time. 
which is another sign of the end of the world. The wars in Iraq and Afghanistan continue, and the war between the Israeli state and the, the Islamic Hezbollah in Lebanon has been bitter and devastating. Um, I pointed out in August. Now listen to this. This is pretty bad when you got when you've got actually in a way the Islamic people almost on the side of righteousness, at least about for this issue. I, I didn't know this. So I mean, I always learn things in his newsletters that are just amazing. I pointed out in August 2006 that the Muslims were outraged because the Israeli High Court approved the gay pride parade through the streets of Jerusalem. Okay, now they've been doing this every year. Okay, It's called... I forget what it's called. I sent out a big email I, from their website. Gay Pride, it's a big deal. In fact, they're trying to make Tel Aviv in Israel the gay capital of the world. Okay, now this is the promised land. Okay? It says, so they, they had this parade. They, they had this parade scheduled. The parade was to retrace, now this is the Gay Pride parade. The parade was was to retrace the steps of Jesus where he walked and cumulate in the rally at the Temple Mount and the Dome of the Rock Mosque. These are what the Sodomites are doing. Huh. <laughs> and it was going to accumulate at the Temple Mount or the Dome of the Rock. Not all of those in the Israeli government approved, but the majority did approve of the Sodomite march, which would bring the spirits of Sodom and Jerusalem. Well, they're already there. Regarding this planned desecration, Muslim leader Sheikh Ibarim Sarasu said, quote, if they dare approach the Temple Mount during the World Pride 2006 parade in Jerusalem, they will do so over our dead bodies. Now, this, these were the Muslims that were saying this. It really should have been the Christians. Um, but yeah, the Muslims were saying this. If they, because, see, they have their Dome of the Rock mosque, which is the third most holy site in the Muslim religion. And that's why they want the Temple Mount. That's why there's this big See, the Muslims have all of their sacred holy sites but the one in Jerusalem. And, and although they have a mosque there, they want to have Jerusalem totally because number one, Satan has put it in their heart to kill all the Jews, and that's the main reason. But the other one is that they want that third most holy site all to themselves. They want the Jews out of there. That's why I said there's, there's never ever going to be any compromise for the Muslims other than their total eradication, their total annihilation. That's what they've said. Okay, so... Um, interestingly, Revelation 11.8 says, And the dead and their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. That's, that's Revelation 11.8. Let's read that again. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city. Now this is during the, the tribulation, okay? But, you think that all of a sudden Jerusalem all of a sudden was just terrible overnight? No, it's not. It's it's a really dark, dark place to go. Spiritually speaking, I've heard people that have went there and I mean tried to pray there and in 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 and uh, they said it was one of the most the hardest places in the world. Um in regard to prayer and things like that, because of all of these spiritual oppression. And if you were if you were Satan, where would you want to target? I mean, of all places on the planet, you would really want to target there, because you know that he's going to try to stop what the Lord's trying to do there, any way, shape, or form. So he's trying to get his foothold into that place. I got an email the other day that that I I, I 
gave you on the thing. Oh man, it showed the Kesnet, which is like the Jewish highest Jewish Parliament building where they have their Supreme Court. And they built this new one right on the roof. They, and I got the pictures to prove it. They've got a pyramid with an all-seeing eye on the pyramid. On the roof. And then it shows all of the... It, and then this guy went inside and filmed all of the architecture inside the Kesnet. They've got a upside-down cross that you walk on and they say it's the only religious thing where you where you where where anything was underfoot, and it's the cross, and it's upside down. So they're mocking Christ. They've got all kind of different shrines to Buddhism, Hinduism. They've got, um, uh, I believe, hex. You know, they always got their hexagrams. And and guess who is the one that put the money up for the building? The Rothschilds, who are the richest, most satanic family on the planet. If you want to look at who has Satan put at the very, 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 very top. And I'm talking about over every leader, over every nation in the world. There's 13 families that basically run the world. They're called the Illuminati. And at the very, very, very top are the Rothschilds. They are the head of the banking industry for the whole world. And they control the money. They're the ones that, that, that decide the price of gold and silver at the end of every day in London. They're the ones that put up the money for the building. They're the ones that have put all kind of money into Jerusalem. They're the ones that through the Balfour Declaration of 1913 um, are the ones that basically brought the Jews, uh, the push to bring the Jews back into the land. Well, the Bible says that, that you know God will bring them back into the land in like one day, and in 1948 they were actually made their own nation. I'm not disputing that. But God in His wisdom and foreknowledge has so chosen to use let the Rothschilds do this thing. Okay? So see, we got to be really careful because we can go and get like Tex Mars and just condemn the Jews and say they're all of the devil and they're all of the synagogue of Satan. And I'm not, there ain't no way I'm going to go there. I'm not. Because I know that a remnant of them is going to be saved. I know there's going to be 144,000 male virgins that God uses in a mighty way during the tribulation. They're going to be preachers of righteousness and they're going to be pure. Those 144,000 virgins are here right now. they got to be because we're so close to the end. And there's going to be a remnant that gets saved in Jerusalem. He's going to protect basically a third. And I believe two-thirds are going to die. According to the book of, uh, I believe it's... Uh, Ze Ze I don't know if it's Malachi or Zechariah. That's a whole other Bible study. But, but, that all being said, Rothschild was the one that was the main one through Lord, and, and through this Balfour Declaration to secure the parcel of land that ultimately turned into modern day Israel. Now, is it the promised land promised in the Bible? No. No, it's a much smaller parcel of land. But the nation of Israel is in one place. Okay, and they do have Jerusalem, of course. They're giving that away. They're, it seems like they're giving away more and more land. So, God in His foreknowledge so chose to use this whole thing. Now, how do we know that, that Jerusalem is going to be wicked? Well, it says right here. It says if... Um, and their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt. This is Jerusalem. Well, no, I thought Jerusalem was going to only be holy. At the end, 
when Jesus comes down to the Mount of Olives and splits the Mount of Olives, sure. But it ain't like that now. <laughs> How could it be called Sodom and Egypt when you have the most wicked family on the face of the planet that was the one that, that, that the devil put in a position and God let it happen to bring the people of Israel back into their land in 1948? Does that mean God hasn't protected them? No, He has protected them. He, see, it's paradoxical. What I'm talking about is not... It's hard to, to comprehend in your mind why would God... I don't know, but the Bible clearly said it was going to be this way. Do you think the Jews might be de- might be deceived if they're going to actually make a covenant with the Antichrist and call him? He's going to be the one that pushes the reinstitute temple sacrifice. It says that he it says in the Bible in Daniel in the midst of the week. Now this is the week that the Antichrist confirmed the covenant on that he will cause all sacrifices to cease. And then he's going to go and put himself in the temple which will be rebuilt. That dome on the rock is, is going to get blown off. Praise God for that. But then again, their motivation for rebuilding the temple is not pure. But he's going to go back into this temple and he's going to proclaim himself to be God. What is that called in the Bible? That's called the abomination of desolation. Okay, so <laughs> you think about it. It's not like the Jews are going to be like serving God. They're going to reinstitute temple sacrifice? Well, that's an abomination of God. Jesus was the, the, was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, the Bible says. You cannot crucify the Son of God afresh. But that's what they're attempting to do. They're saying, no, we want to go back to the old, the old sacrifice. They've already got everything to do it. Other than the Ark of the Covenant. they got every single implement. they found it all. I believe I know what that Ark of the Covenant is. But God ain't going to let him have it until he says, I don't even know if he's going to let him have it. I don't know. I don't know how that's all going to play out. But it said that, that Jerusalem would be, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. Sodom? They're letting this gate, Tel Aviv's going to be the, the capital. Sodomy is always the main sin that will befall a nation before God's judgment falls. Now, what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says a couple things about our time. Jesus said, so as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What was one of the earmarks of Noah's days? Well, the, the fallen sons of God had come down, saw the daughters of men, took them to be wives, they procreated and had these children. They were the giants, the men of old, the men of renown, the Nephilim. So it's going to be like that today. Well, we talked about this last week. What's well, another thing it says? It says, so as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What was happening in the days of Lot? Sodom and Gomorrah, that's where he lived. What well, says here? See how, see how I'm tying this together? Or the Bible ties it together. Jerusalem, it says, spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. Would well, you think that's just going to happen overnight? No. It's in full swing right now. To me, this makes the Bible come alive. I mean, this is like, oh, it's right on point. Awesome. Now, granted, it's not like, you know, happy, fun stuff, but it's totally proven the Bible. Yeah, we were just we were just talking how there's two, I would say, pseudo-sects of Christianity. One where you have the Christians that say Israel can do no wrong, they're of God, I mean, they're just ignoring 
gigantic, gigantic things that are going on in, in, in Jerusalem and Israel in particular. And then you have the other ones that would be like liberals and even liberal Christians that are condemning what's going on in Israel. But there's no balance. There's, there, there's no biblical balance, I should say, because see, the way that it was just interpreted, I believe, is the biblical way that we have to look at this. You know, we... we we, we have to look at this in a biblical way and it's hard for our, our rational mind. We want to be one way or another. And it's hard to look at this thing biblically from a human point of view. But that's the way it is. And uh, it just confirms the Bible. Is really all it does. And so how do we know that, that this is in... in the dead body shall line the streets of the great city. Well, how do we know what the great city is? It says, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Well, we know Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem. That's it. End of story. Okay, so, that's why, this is a good example of a Bible version. I mean, what if, you know, the Bible you had didn't even have this verse or took the last part out? You wouldn't know what city that is. And they do it all the time with stuff like this. So it says, thus Jerusalem would have the spirits of the accursed city of Sodom in it as an abomination of desolation. Of course, that's not the abomination of desolation. That's when the Antichrist goes into the Temple Mount and proclaims himself to be his God. To be God. And then that's what starts the latter half of the three and a half year tribulation. And that's when the Jews start getting their eyes finally open. The second half. Because then they're like, he's not God. This isn't right. And then they start to finally wake up. Okay, so um, that's when it gets really nasty, is in that second three and a half year period. It says, we must note that because the fierce, fierceness of the war, the gay pride, gay pride parade in Jerusalem was canceled. Praise God. So praise God for that. Um, now, I was up over at my parents' house the other night, and there was this uh, documentary on um, the Mormon church on this guy that was the head of a sect of the Mormon church, okay, gave him, he called himself a prophet. The guy just looked like a pedophile. He just looked like a perverted pedophile. Serpy sweet, the way he preached, and, and they were interviewing, these guys are big, big, big time polygamists. Huge polygamists. They got multiple wives. The one lady they were interviewing, she says, well, how many... She says, I came from a family, I had 65 brothers and sisters. 65. Now, not one woman's churning 65 kids out, okay? She, this guy had, I don't know how many. Um, and this was the head of this particular... And I didn't realize this, but see, Mormonism, evidently, they'll have different prophets and guys like this, and they'll have their own little communities. When, you, when you're churning out that many kids, you can have your own little city. Well, they, in Colorado City, evidently Colorado, he's got a big uh, little cult there. And it's like a cult within a cult. Okay? And there they were, this whole interview was about this guy and how he was a pedophile and how he sexually abused you know, his, his own kids. And Oh, it was just disgusting. And I mean... <sighs> They finally caught this guy in the desert, and, and I mean, they were interviewing some of his former, uh, well, they were his children and some of the people in his church, and how just unbelievably horrific it was to live under this, and, and, and they, you know, like the one lady was saying, you know, 
what you would you, you about three in the morning you'd hear the footsteps coming down the hall and you knew you knew it was him he was coming in dude I, it doesn't even compute to me this sick scum wanting to have sexual relations with his own daughters and I don't know if he was doing it with his sons I don't know but I was flipping between that and this prison show it was, it was documenting the prison system in America and I had mentioned this before. Evidently, there's a show on MTV that is where it's this bus, and these these uh, people go on the bus, and they're and they're they're basically their goal is is there's there's a uh, let's say there's there's four or five girls on a bus, and there's a guy outside. All these girls are trying to go outside, trying to get this guy to take them out because if they do there's something they can win at the end so in other words they want to be as big of a whore as they can be so that the guy will want to pick them and they come out of the bus and they each get like five minutes and he then he chooses who he's going to get no that's not the worst of it the other night I was flipping through the channels and this was on and I saw this one other time when I was up in North Carolina. It was I had mentioned this before. We were in there eating breakfast, and, and this the show was on, and it was in the background. And I and it was and it was five girls, and there was a girl outside, and it was a lesbian thing. They were trying to pick which girl they wanted to have. The girls wanted to have go out with and end up having sex with five lesbians. Well, the other day it was five gay guys. And, and a gay guy outside the bus. I could not believe what I was seeing. I, I watched this and I was like, I don't believe what I am seeing. Now there was no nudity or anything like that, and there wasn't really any cussing, but it was so disgusting. These real effeminate gay guys. But see, the guy outside the bus wasn't effeminate. See, gays are are typically in a gay relationship. You'll have a submissive. They're known as the submissive, the feminine, and then you'll have the masculine. Okay. The guy outside the bus was masculine. He was wearing flannel shirt and real... And, and, and these gay guys, the one guy looked like the... Um, even the gay guys were making fun of him. He looked like a Ken doll. He looked like a Ken doll. And he goes outside and, and the guy says, Next, I don't want anything to do with you. You know, it was one of these things. All he had to do was take one look at the guy and it wasn't his type. He wants a man's man, he said. So they, so he goes back, so they have these terse words between one and he goes back on the bus. And then another guy comes out. And he's got his hair spiked up like this. And they're all talking on the bus. And they're all, it's all sexual innuendos about sex acts and things like that. Now they're not cussing or anything. And I didn't even really understand their verbiage that much. Because they have their own language they speak. Gay people. They have their own little set of codes. And that's one of the ways they can identify one another in public. And they finally, I, I, I couldn't watch it, and, and, and I, I flipped off it. And when I had come back to it during a commercial break, because I, I really want to see how bad it's actually gotten in this in this country. And they, this one guy had finally found somebody that he wanted, and, and he had taken him out on these dates, and all the stuff, and it ended up where they were they were making out in the living room two gay guys and then they flash back to the bus and on the bus the four gay guys were there and the one uh, guy that looked like a Ken doll said why don't you guys all have a threesome 
and they start, three of the guys start making out right on TV. They're all over one another, making out, French kissing each other. I was like, I, I couldn't even stinking believe what was going on. I said, this is on TV? I went out to my dad. I said, Dad, you know what's on TV? Oh, Scott, you know, that stuff's... I thought to myself, that is, the, that is the main thing that will bring judgment on a nation when it gets to that point where, 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 where this gay stuff that's being stuffed down our throat is that out in the open. If it's that out in the open, judgment can't be that far off. It can't be. Because that's the main thing that will always bring judgment on a nation. I, I, I don't know. I, I, never, I never ever... I never saw anything like it in my life. Right on MTV. It was... I don't know. I mean, I'm still... I, I still am stunned. Um, and that's what they're showing on mainstream TV. You know, who knows what they're doing... Um, you know, in the pornography industry or whatever. I mean, it, it's anything goes. You know... I was. Oh yeah, yeah. Schools too. Well, that's that's the where it starts is the schools. They're brainwashing them. They're giving them all the sex education training. They're giving them this. I mean, from sometimes from a kindergartner on, that it's okay for for a little boy, little girl to have two mommies or two daddies, and um, the gays are trying to get all of this. Um, uh, same-sex marriage thing. They're trying to be able to adopt kids uh, once they're married. And I believe many times the reason they're wanting to adopt kids is so they can sexually molest them. Because it's a proven fact that 33% of all pedophiles, what they know about, are homosexuals. Yet, homosexuals supposedly are only 2-3% to of the population. So you're telling me 2-3% to of the population out of them, 33% are the ones that are classified as pedophiles? Well, that's a pretty large number. Isn't that a little disproportionate? If, if it was something natural and ordained by God, it would not ordained by God, but if it was something that was just a variant, wouldn't it be that just 2-3% to of the gay people would be pedophiles? No, it's 33% of all the total pedophiles are gays. So, it's... it's see, the thing is, is if, if you're a gay person, you're demon-possessed to the toenails. You've got to be. You, there's no choice. You've got to be demon-possessed to the toenails. You have to be. Because to get to that point where your thinking is so warped, you've got to be, you've got to be demonically infested. Okay? And, and see, they don't, they don't understand it. They, they think that this is just... And see, what they want is they want more and more people to supposedly come out of the closet because they're strength in numbers. They feel better about their sin because everybody else is doing it. Um, the spirits that are inhabiting their bodies want everybody to go to hell, and they also know that once a person goes over to that lifestyle, there's a very low likelihood they'll ever get saved. Um, they've been turned over to a reprobate mind, so it's a bad, bad, bad situation there with the, with the gay uh, community. It's only going to get worse. Um, I, 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 I believe we should pray against this thing. That God expose it and God deal with it and God judge it. Because it needs to be judged. Because if it's not judged, they're all going to go to hell anyway and they're going to take a whole bunch of people with them. That's why I pray Psalm 64 every night. Sometimes more than once a day. Because I want these people to be dealt with in this life so that there maybe is still hope for them. 
Because if they're, if, if, if they're not judged in this life, they'll just go to hell in the next. And that if they're permitted to get away with what they're doing, they're just going to take more people to hell with them. That's not going to glorify God in any way, shape, or form, if that goes on and happens. So anyway, that was... Uh, I witnessed that. Um, we'll go on. Uh, terrorism is a very real problem, but we must understand that it's also a gimmick. Events of terror are orchestrated and choreographed by those who stand to gain the most from it. The Bush administration has succeeded in reshaping the American way of life and getting people to surrender freedom and privacy. It has dismantled the United States Constitution. All of it was done by a threat of terror. It was an illuminist Franklin D. Roosevelt who said, In politics, nothing is by accident. If it happened, you can bet we planned it that way. End of quote. That's why I said about the world wars and these things. They're admitting it right here. And that guy was one of the worst out of the worst. The threat of terror holds Americans in a suspended state of fear and submission. So they're using fear to control us. The University of Wisconsin, who's his former employer, this pastor, has a controversial professor that was recently the subject of a resolution signed by 61 state legislators who demanded his removal. The university, however, came to the defense of Dr. Kevin Barrett, defending his right to teach that the attacks of 9-11 were the work of the U.S. government itself. Dr. Barrett has made a comprehensive study of the attacks of the World Trade Center and Pentagon and says that the Twin Towers in Building Number 7 were brought down by bombs inside the buildings and not by external hits of airliners. See, those, those buildings, it's so obvious now. There's so many documentaries coming out, especially on the Internet, that are exposing this thing, that our government actually did this. You ever watch the buildings 9-11 go down, the World Trade Centers? They go down just perfect. You ever watch a controlled demolition? Where they where they'll implode same same exactly buildings just don't go down that way unless they're specifically explosives are specifically put in place to have that exact thing happen. That just doesn't happen by accident. And there's no possible way those planes flying into those buildings could have caused those buildings to do what they did. There is no way. They say, well, the jet fuel melted the steel structure. What a lie from the pit of hell that is. Steel, number one, the, the, the type of steel that was used in the World Trade Centers has a melting point of about 2,000 degrees. Jet fuel, if it's burned under pure oxygen, has a, has a, has a uh, degree level of about 1,200, and that's under the perfect, perfect right conditions. It didn't have the conditions. That jet fuel couldn't have melted those steel girders for it to come. It's an, it's an impossibility. A government did that. Why? Why would they want to do something like that? Because they took away so much of our rights, and that was the whole goal of it. The Patriot Act was signed within like one or two weeks after the after 9-11. The Patriot Act did more to strip away our rights than any other thing that's probably ever been signed. And they've done all kinds of things since that. Project Bioshield. Now they're trying to do Project Bioshield 2. Homeland Security. FEMA. Now the stuff with the avion flu. It's all by design. Um, and, it, and unfortunately... Uh, you know, the Bible said we should look out for this stuff. You know? So, it says, it goes on to say that, um, this, uh, the furthermore, he states the Pentagon was not hit by a plane, but rather by a missile. All you got to do is look at the hole on the side of the Pentagon and know it wasn't hit by no plane. It's a hole. Now, if it was hit by a plane, planes have wings. 40,000 pound engines on each side. This particular plane had very, very large engines. 40,000 pounds a piece. Wow, there's no, there's no marks where the engines went into the Pentagon. 
or where the wings hit. It's just this nice neat hole, about nine feet around. If it was a plane, it would have made a much bigger hole, especially the plane they said that happened. It was like a 737 or something. It's all a lie. It was a missile. Could that be why they won't show us the footage of this of this plane flying into the side? Could it be why they confiscated all the video tapes of all the places that were filming right after that? We could go down that rabbit trail and be there for weeks. There's so much overwhelming evidence that our government did that. Um, Barrett said, I think a lot sooner most people will realize 9-11 is going to blow wide open. It, it is blowing wide open right now as I speak. It is so obvious what they did. So what they're doing now is they're doing spin damage control on, on, the, on the TV. They're putting all, all kind of stuff up on ABC and stuff to, to commemorate 9-11 and you know, all these human interest stories about people that went through it. And it makes it, it, makes it seem like, oh, they could have never done this. They, all these conspiracy, it doesn't matter what proof they give me. I'm going to believe what the government's telling me. Well, go ahead and be a sheep. Um, Barrett said, I think a lot sooner than most people realize 9-11 is going to blow wide open. The official report doesn't stand up to scrutiny. It's very simple. They've even got an organization called Scholars for 9-11 Truth, who are scholars that have studied this from so many different angles and proven from so many different angles this could not have been what, what we've been told it was. In fact, they were on C-SPAN the other night. They let him go on C-SPAN and air about a two-hour documentary where all these scholars spoke separately. Alex Jones was the moderator. It was awesome. Um, he says, I am optimistic that 9-11 will ultimately be a catalyst for Americans to take back the Constitution. Well, that would be nice and it would all be wonderful, but it's a stretch. We have a great constitution in this country and it's been trashed and burned by the current administration and not just this administration. A lot of Democrats are equally as responsible. Well, that doesn't, to me that doesn't matter. Democrats, Republicans, they're all, especially at the high levels, they're all the same side of the... They're, they're two sides of the same corrupt coin. They're using the Democrat-Republican thing against us to basically say, oh, it's their fault. No, it's their fault. What does that do? It keeps our eyes off the people that are really doing this. Which is by design. It's how Satan does things. The tragedy of the attacks on the World Trade Center has been has has made the date of 9-11 a day of infamy. But we must understand who's infamy. Let it here be noted that the federal government gave the city of New York $1 billion to be distributed to families who lost loved ones and to people who suffered injuries and their lives ruined by this horrifying event. We have now learned that 20 million of those dollars have been spent on lawyers hired by the city of New York to deny the claims of cops, firefighters, and others who were sickened and injured on that day. So they're using the money they get to actually go against the people instead of helping them. The city has, been, has taken legal action against the injured, and 8,000 of these suffering people have been denied compensation. Judgment Day is coming. And that's what I thought when I was watching that, that homosexual thing. On MT, I, I, I was watching it in absolute disbelief and I'm thinking, God, how can I not pray for your judgment to come? I mean, I, I, granted, do I want to be here when it happens? Not really. I'll be honest. Who would in their right mind? Not to say he's not going to preserve his remnant, but I mean, when you see that, and you see the apathy of people, and you realize that unless God does judge... Everything's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse because there's going to be nothing to wake the people up unless God brings judgment. Well, it's, you know, 
that's why Jesus says for, for the sake of the elect those days will be shortened because if, if they weren't shortened there would be no flesh spared he said it not me the days are going to have to be shortened because because if, if, if it were just allowed to go on and go on and go on like this there would be no flesh spared on earth um, the final days before the turn, return of Savior is to this troubled planet are the days of unusual and freak weather truly the creation is under great distress and is groaning and travailing Romans 8.22 warns us of the time as follows for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain until now See, creation's groaning right now. Nature's groaning because it's it's um, under all of the sin, the, the, the sin of the blood, innocent blood crying out from them, the sin of all the sin going on. The, 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 that's why nature, the whole creation, groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. The volcanoes are still waking up and, and earthquakes continue to happen throughout the world. There is continual rumbling under the surface of the earth and pressure is building. Since the August issue of the newsletter, there have been hundreds of more significant earthquakes, but the news media doesn't say much about them. The U.S. Geological Survey publishes a list of these quakes continually. It has been noted that since the large earthquake and tsunami in December 2004, the Pacific Ocean has changed its behavior. Rogue waves as high as 10-story buildings are peering 10 at a time from calm water. Scientists refer to these waves as freak and cannot explain what is 10 stories high out of nowhere it, um, I am reminded of Luke 21:25, which reads as follows and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity the sea and waves roaring so it's all biblical confirmation here on August 10, 2006 a super typhoon slammed into red China and brought devastation to a large area, sending one and one-half million people running from their homes. In the United States, record heat baked our nation and caused death and numerous problems. From California to Washington, D.C., the searing heat broke more than 2,300 records during the month of June 2006. Electrical demand for cooling was so great in California that rolling blackouts began to occur. The heat wave also left at least 25,000 cattle dead and 700,000 birds dead. On the East Coast, a power blackout in Queens left over 100,000 people without electricity during the time of Syrian heat. This also affected the terminals at LaGuardia Airport with no refrigeration in the big city. The stench of rotting food was everywhere. Consolidated Edison stated that they could not find the cause of the power outage and that there was no end in sight. In the midsection of our country, St. Louis was also seared by intense heat of exceeding 100 degrees. One intense storm after another hit the area, knocking out power and leaving 410,000 homes in the dark without refrigeration. Um, emergency rooms were jammed. Uh, nationwide highways uh, buckled from the intense heat. Uh, Drought-stricken areas in Australia, water is so scarce that their plans are being made to start drinking recycled sewage. The, titty, the, the city of Toowoomba in Queensland is strongly considering this. They're going to drink recycled sewage. The Bible speaks of such things very plainly in 2 Kings 8.27 as being a great curse and reproach upon the people. On April 13, 2006, former President Bill Clinton made a speech in Chicago at a biotechnology conference and stated that 25% of all the deaths in the world 
are related to bad water and lack of good water. That's why we should all have ways of purifying our water through something like that gravity-fed um, water purification system, like a British Berkey or a Big Berkey or whatever. Because um, you don't want to have to rely on even pressure from water coming out of the ground in order to get your water. Um, if you have a well, you want to make sure you have a generator that can drive a well. Okay? But the best way would be to have a well and to actually be able to have a hand crank backup system. You can, you can get those. Where you can actually crank it right out of the water thing and then you can purify it through one of those. Um, and I would also, you know, you could use hydrogen peroxide um, or mild silver protein uh, to also uh, sanitize the water. Okay? You don't have to use chlorine. Anyway, that's just a little side note there. Um, another problem that has arisen from the intensity and dryness are many fires have broken out all over the world. Uh, a recent UPI arrested my attention regarding the destructive forces of heat. The article stated that Red China is planning to test its experimental artificial sun on August 15, 2006 at Hefei Island on East China Province. <clears throat> the nuclear fusion device is expected to generate such a gigantic plasma discharge that many scientists fear great risks in such a, such a project. I am reminded of Revelation 16, 8 and 9 which says, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun. The power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which had the power over these plagues, and they repented not to give God the glory. See, even though God's going to bring all these things to pass, they're not going to repent. people of the United States are being continually used and manipulated as they are being prepared to become the subjects of complete antichrist control. On August 8, 2006, the company BP announced that they were forced to shut down the biggest oil field in the United States because of 16 miles of bad pipe. This would drive prices up from the already outrageous levels. BP President Bob Malone said that the pipeline would be closed down indefinitely and issued an apology, but meanwhile record profits are being enjoyed and our country reaches new levels of inflation. It is taking more and more dollars to buy the same things. It is the same old game of decreasing the supply and increasing the demand. Our, our president oil man, George W. Bush, would do nothing about it. Is President Bush one of the many antichrists in the last days? It is interesting to note that President Bush was first elected. He was asked how he liked being called W, because he's George W. Bush. The reason they call him W is to distinguish between his dad who is just known as George Bush. W is his son. They, so when you hear George W. Bush, you always know it's, it's, the, it's President Bush's son, W. He's our president. He was asked when he first got in office how he liked being called W. Since that, that was what everybody had been calling him. His answer at the press conference was, that's me, WWW. He said W three times. Now, it is interesting to note that the equivalent letter of the English W is the sixth letter of both the Hebrew and the archaic Greek alphabets. It's the sixth letter. In other words, the President Bush said, that's me, WWW. He was saying, that's me, 666. That's why World Wide Web, www. is known as 666, Internet. Um, 
We must also note that the fact that the Bible tells us, Revelation 13, 18, Here is wisdom, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. His number is 666. Now that, that don't mean I think George Bush is the Antichrist, by any such imagination. But there are many Antichrists, it says, that will come. Okay? But it's small a, small Antichrist. The forces of Antichrist, Big Brother, are constantly watching the unsuspecting people. It was recently reported that there are 30 million video surveillance cameras in the United States. And our government is spending over $1 billion per year to add more. We've also learned that NASA has developed droid or smart satellites that can fly independently in a formation. In Dr. Miller of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology Space System Laboratory said that it's something out of Star Wars where Luke practices the use of float, floating a droid floating a droid, Luke Skywalker evidently. They're nine pound devices, spears, the size of bowling balls and they're crammed with computer sensors and thrusters. In other words, they can fly around and spy on you. They've got this technology now where they can fly around and spy on you. You see one of those cursed things, pray against it. Point at it and pray God destroy it. That's what I'm going to do. Because we'll see them, most likely, if we're, we're around that long. Not only are people constantly watched, they're also falling under the harsh and oppressive laws that violate the Constitution of the United States. Now, when I read this, I... It says the word berserk comes from Old Norse witchcraft. Have you heard the word berserk? A berserker, you know, and it's weird because when I was in Catholic high school, our yearbook for three years was it, it's it said the you know I had the yearbook and then at the bottom in big words it said berserker ganger, berserker, and I always thought that's a weird. Why does it have berserker ganger on it? And I don't know. It's some derivative of the word berserk. Of course, I was a Catholic high school, so what more would you expect? The word berserk comes from Old Norse witchcraft. A berserker was a person who drank the blood of a bear under the light of a full moon under the northern circumpolar constellation of Ursa Minor or the Great Bear. Did you know that? I did not know that. Little trivia. That person was said to go into a frenzy that took the form of an unbridled lust for sex and blood. Thus the word berserk became associated with one who is deranged or mad. In Jeremiah 51.7 we read, Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that hath made all the earth drunken. The nations have drunken her wine, therefore the nations are mad. Now, it says Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunken. God's letting it happen, just like I said. He's, let, he's letting people have it their way. We live, and that's why I always come back to God's still on the throne. I don't care what I read to you, God is still on the throne. I'm not going to let it get me down. It's pure confirmation in the Bible, and I believe God is going to do mighty things with His remnant. Stay tuned. He's going to do it. it with His faithful remnant, not the apostate ones that are, you know, you know, lukewarm and doing all their crazy stuff. We live in a world that has incorporated witchcraft into every fiber of society, religion, and government. We must remember that witchcraft is not only ritual spells, incantations, rope magic, and potions. I've never heard of rope magic. Have you heard of rope magic? Rope. You know, I saw um, this this wedding that they were doing, uh, like, I don't know, on, on TV or something. And they showed, I think it was an advertisement, and they showed them jumping over a broomstick. And I was like, that's witchcraft. 
when they do that ritual, it's 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 pagan. Yeah. I know, you told me that. That's why I never saw that before, and I saw it on TV. I was like, what is that about? But no, I knew, because you had said that. Um, the word, uh, let's see. Uh, first of all, witchcraft is a way of thinking. If the occult luminous can get people thinking like witches, they can get them to do anything. That was the purpose of Harry Potter, the Lord of the Rings, the... Narnia Chronicles and so on. It is about crystal balls, magic wands, and mythological creatures and so on. All of this is wrapped in a shroud of dualistic thought or the principle of the Tao. The principle of dualism teaches that there are two equal gods, one good and one evil. Now this is yin and yang. You ever see the yin-yang symbol? It's like a... It's, it's, it's the symbol of Taoism. Taoism is almost is what um, acupuncture is based on. It is what all of the martial arts that they do, like karate, and um, yeah, it's kind of, it's got it like a swiggly karate, taekwondo, any martial arts, basically all based out of Taoism. Good and evil, yin and yang, fire and ice. There's a balance that has to exist between everything. Um, and I, I didn't want to say anything, but I actually put on some high karate after shave today before I preached. I didn't want to say anything, though, but I, I probably should switch brands. You know, I don't know. Anyway, a little humor, a little, you know, little humor I want to interject there. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so we've got that. And it says, the principle of dualism teaches there are two gods, one good, one evil. It further teaches that good and evil must not be destroyed, but brought into balance, because they need each other. (laughs) In other words, there is good and bad witchcraft. And through legends, sagas, charms, potions, spells, evil is brought to the same level with good in order to achieve balance. Remember that it was Satan who wanted to be like the Most High. It was Satan who convinced Eve that she should, she could have both good and evil in her life and still live forever. The sad fact is that most of the population has gone through a methodical brainwashing that has made them spiritual invalids. We now live in a world where very little is left of decency and of character. In the Netherlands, pedophiles are now registering their own political party in order to further their agenda of legalized child pornography and bestiality, having sex with animals and little children. They've got their own political party in the Netherlands. Where did we, what were we talking about last week in Amsterdam? The Netherlands. That's where it is. And I'm telling you, that is the most sick, wicked, twisted place on the planet that I know of. Of course, like I said, Jerusalem may be running a close second. They are attempting to lower the legal age of consent from 16 to 12 for sex. And if they get 12, they'll, they'll, get, they'll, they'll push to get it lower than that. There's a big problem that they've got over in Thailand where they have what they call sex tours. And it was just on the TV this week where all these sick, twisted, perverted men, particularly from a lot from the United States, a lot from other parts of the world, will go over there and they'll take their pick of whatever kid that they want. And they'll have, it's called sex tourism. And they have sex with all these different kids, all this pedophilia for like this big vacation they plan. How could God not rain down His fury on this sick, twisted planet that we're living on? Again, God's on the throne, but what's happening is, is, is we're storing up judgment for the day of wrath. When all this is going on, it's defiling the land. It's l- allowing the demonic, fallen angelic 
entities to strengthen. We're giving them ground in our lives when we're doing it. People are becoming more demon-possessed. They're having more authority because we're giving them that authority. There's a big push in witchcraft to do what they call, where they open up portals in what they call stargates in the spirit world. Now, you might say, oh, I don't buy into any of that. Now, let me tell you something. There's a different dimension that we don't live in. And it's the spiritual dimension. Why do you think we can't see them? Well, they're spirit true. But they also, there's a different dimension that they live in. The Bible talks about a first, second, and third heaven. That third heaven is a different dimension. Okay? These spirit beings live in this particular dimension. And the more sin that we commit, the more they have access into our dimension. We open doors. Okay? It's well known in witchcraft they do this. Um, Aleister Crowley... L. Ron Hubbard, Glenn Parsons, they all did these things called the Babylonian workings where they opened up these doors to let these gigantic, really nasty, whether they're fallen angelic, whether they're demonic, into our dimension so that they can have more influence over us. Now, that may seem like, well, I, I, don't, really, I don't really know about that, but the Bible goes through, and there's, there's many places where you can actually prove that thing out. Also, it's well known on Halloween, the reason that Halloween is celebrated as the most highest night of, of the occult calendar and the highest night of human sacrifice is because the veil between our world and the spirit world is at its thinnest on October 31st. It's well known in the occult. But see, they don't want Christians to believe any of this because they don't want the Christians to pray about it. They want Christians to believe this is all just fake fantasy stuff because they know if the Christians were praying about this stuff that a lot of this couldn't go on because there's power in prayer. Okay, now, you don't believe that there's, that there's portals. I'm going to show you something real quick. Uh, I'm going to show you a map. Did I ever show you this map? This is a map a witch made. This is from a witch. Okay. Here's her. Here's her. Here's her uh, CD she sent me. Her name's Amy Bordalo Galaco. I wasn't going to talk about this. She's from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Master teacher of metaphysics, spiritual healer and counselor, geomantic consultant, trance channeler. Now she trance channels in this. What's a trance channel? That's when a demon or a fallen angel speaks through a person. It takes them over. And they'll speak in a different voice and everything. This is her business card. That's the CD she sent me. I talked to her on the phone. That was her website. I went up on her website. No, no. I talked to her on the phone. I called her. I'll call these people. I, I don't... I can I can converse with them because I have enough experience in this in this area where I can uh, I can converse with these people. And she was very nice, very very nice. Um, most of the time when you go into these occult bookstores like I've done, oh the the women are just sweet, just so nice. Um, and I know enough about the occult, not because I ever really was into the occult, because I really never did a lot of dabbling in, in Ouija, I never did a Ouija, none of that, I never did any of that, but I did enough dabbling in, in just little stuff, I was around enough little stuff where I got somewhat of an education, but it was really after I got saved that I started looking into this, because see, here's the deal, the one world religion of the Antichrist is going to be witchcraft, now, 
that's in full swing right now. Would it be better for me to know my enemy or not know my enemy? Especially in the day and time, because you sure ain't going to get this in the church. Okay? The Bible says, lest we be ignorant of his device, that Satan would not get an advantage of us, that we are not ignorant of his devices. 2 Corinthians 2.11 So we do not want to be ignorant of his devices. From what I have read, and from what I believe the Bible bears out, the Bible says there's going to be different spirits, more spirits released onto this earth in the end time. Where does it say that? Well, it says that right there, that, 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 that the um, king over the bottomless pit, whose name was Abaddon, or Apollyon, who is a very, very, very high-ranking uh, fallen angelic spirit, will be the king over the bottomless pit, and then he will release all, remember all the locusts that come out, and they have faces of, you know, they've got long hair in them. Okay, now that's demonic, okay? It says that there's going to be a spirit in the great river Euphrates that's going to be unchained. Okay, now that's not the only place it says it. So now we should be looking out for this junk. How are they coming into this dimension? Well, and why? Why all of a sudden now are they being permitted? Well, I believe it's because of what the humans that are doing to invite them into this dimension. And the more these fallen angels and the more these demons, who I believe up to this point have been restrained more, now they're not being restrained anymore. Because witchcraft works. When you, and if you as a witch, are going and doing whatever these, these, these things where you're actually trying to open up these doorways, if you know what you're doing and you're adept enough to what you're doing, you can actually do this, okay? This is a map. Now, this woman's from Philadelphia. The reason she came to this area, and I've got the whole newspaper article that she's in her own words, is she said that when she came down here, in particular southwest Florida, Fort Myers, Naples area, she said she had hardly any been anywhere ever on this earth where she felt um, more of a, basically what it boiled down to, although she had to call it this way, it was more of like a demonic vibe, like man I like the vibes here, I like what I feel here, There's it's supposedly she got healed of some health ailments just by being in the air because the energy was so great here. Now this is a very, 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 very large, large, gigantic hotbed. This area that we live in, Lee County Collier, for evil, fallen, angelic activity. Um, I heard from a policeman at one time that there was more Satanism and and, uh, high-level human sacrifice going on in the Naples area than any other place in the whole country. Well, all those rich people live down there. Who do you think Satan's giving all the money to? That's their religion. I'm telling you, this. I know this stuff sounds like there ain't no way. I'm telling you, that's exactly what Satan wants you to believe. Because it's going to get so obvious, like so much of this stuff is getting, where people aren't going to have a choice anymore. They're either going to have to just totally go along with it and not do anything, or they're going to have to turn around and fight it. Okay, because I'm telling you, it's a war, it's a battle that we're in. And the Bible says that we're in a war. And it says to take up the whole armor of God. Because it's, and it says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places. These are spiritual evil entities. Well, through a, um, what she calls, um, oh, how does she, she, there's a specific term she used to get this map. She said she felt so convicted after coming down here, after receiving her healing, and after being in touch with all the other occult people that live in this area, that she felt compelled to do um, 
a map of this area where she mapped the whole thing out and, and she did it through a process called um, uh, spiritual dowsing. She took a pendulum over a map and evidently determined that this are all the areas, these are all the things in this area where there is um, energy pathways. Remember these portals I told you about? They're also called stargates. This is a whole map she did. Um, this is uh, Gulf of Mexico here. That is um, Corsican State Park. That's a, she calls that a crystal grid site. This is a site of ceremonial magic. Just notice this pentagram. Um, it's in the ocean. <laughs> I already checked our place out. Yeah, there, there's, um, the nearest thing that's near us is uh, over here off of, um, off Orange River in Buckingham, kind of between Orange River and Buckingham, is a, what she terms as a, uh, interdimensional doorway. Now this would be where... Oh, was it? Yeah. Well, that's an interdimensional doorway. Meaning that's a place that, that, that what they're saying is that spirits, these spirits can enter and go. Okay? Um, now, what set us up for all this? Well, you'll notice that down here, uh, Indian ceremonial burial ground, Indian burial ground, Indian burial ground, Indian burial ground, ceremonial burial ground, uh, Indian grounds. Now, Indian grounds. So you got, what's all this Indian stuff? Well, Remember what I said about how the, the sins of the forefathers? Well, number one, they carried the third and fourth generation, but it, all, that, all that blood defiles the land. These were Calusa Indians that lived here. Guess what Calusa Indians used to do? Human sacrifice. I can prove it. I've studied the area of Okeechobee. I've studied this area. I've read books on it. Human sacrifice was one of the earmarks of what they did. They walked around naked. Human sacrifice, if you got captured by them, you were either made a slave or you were, you were a human sacrifice. Period. And... If you go way back, the Calusa Indians were giants. In fact, they've unearthed many, many when they were un unearthed in Cape Coral and somewhere around Okeechobee and in, in between from here to there because the Calusa Indians ruled from Okeechobee to Cape Sable down in Naples all the way up to Tampa. They have unearthed big, gigantic, elongated skulls and, and bones that, uh, of skeletons that were like 11 feet tall. Now, that's not from, coming from a Christian source. That's from a secular source. They've unearthed these things. Well, they were giants. Well, you know that, that when... It's, the Bible says that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And then it says in Genesis, it says that, they, that there were giants in those days and also after that. Also after that? Well, how do you know that? Well, when they went into the Promised Land, what did they fight? They fought giants. Jericho. First one. They said, we were as grasshoppers in their sight. They're giants. So... Satan had pre-positioned those giants in the promised land to discourage the chosen race, the, 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 the Jews, or whatever, for that time. Well, it says they were also here after this. So, we had a lot of demonic stuff going on here in this area hundreds and maybe thousands of years ago. Well, this is a byproduct of it. These still, these same vibes, or as they would term them, are these same demonic problems, if not dealt with, still exist. Okay, so um, she mapped this out with a pendulum. The spirits told her exactly where to draw the lines, exactly how to, I'm not 100% sure I wasn't there when she did it. Now these are ley lines, these lines, and 
Um, ley lines are what we would call grids of power. And the occultists will try to do their, their um, incantations and spells where on ley lines or where ley lines cross because they believe they get a better uh, manifestation of their spell or their curse or whatever they're trying to do. This is how they practice their religion. Okay, um, this is a, what they call a stargate. Um, and the the interdimensional doorways, stargates, interdimensional doorways. There's one right near us. Here's one. Here's one. Which one? Oh, this one. Um, that's in Naples. Now, see, she didn't. Um, she gets right up the Clusatch River and ends right about there. And so, I called this witch and I talked to her. And obviously, I didn't come out and say, "Well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm totally against everything that you're doing." Now, I wanted, I wanted to see. I wanted to. Uh, I, I asked her about if she had done Okeechobee, because I want to know about Okeechobee, because I think there's some real wicked stuff going on there. And she had, and I told her all about Okeechobee, and I told her some things she didn't even know. And um, got this map. Well, how does she find all this stuff out? Devils. They basically told her how to do this. I'm not saying everything on that map is 100% accurate, but I do believe that we're coming into a time, and, and it's becoming more and more flagrant how they're trying to promote the fallen angels, the, the, the offspring of fallen angels. That TV show they got on ABC Family right now called Fallen. They're promoting this Nephilim as a fallen angels, uh, the offspring of a fallen angel, he turns 18, he realizes his destiny, and his destiny is he's going to redeem all the other fallen angels. He's their savior. That's what they're promoting right now on ABC. They're doing all this stuff. And, and, and you have to wonder, well, do they got some kind of agenda behind this? You're sure they do. They got a real agenda behind it. Um, but... This is reality, this stuff. And, and we're living right now, this area that we're living in is an absolute total hotbed for this stuff. And this is stuff that we can actually pray against. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm really praying that the Lord would, um, would show me how He wants me to deal with this. I know that we can pray, but I got a feeling God's actually going to call me to these places to actually go there physically. Because I think there's a different dynamic that takes place when you actually physically go there and walk on the land. And there's a Bible verse that gives, that's a confirmation of that, and it says that you shall, wherever your foot shall tread, you shall possess that land. And as you are an ambassador of Christ, you can actually go to these places. Now, that's not a calling for everybody, but I believe it's one of my callings. And I don't think anybody else is really doing it in the church. I don't know if anybody else has a conviction to do it. I've had a conviction for years and years and years and years and years to do it. Because these people, what they're doing is through these, this witchcraft, they're opening up these doorways. They're letting more of these... And that's one of the reasons it's getting more and more stinking evil. Because they're letting all of this demonic infestation come into our plane and our dimension of existence. But see, because we can't see it and because that's too radical for most Christians, they're like, oh, I don't want to think about that. Or what, it doesn't matter if you don't want to think about it now. You're going to have to deal with the, the effects of it sooner or later. So... Um, now let me ask you another question. If the Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places, and they're actually coming through into our dimension through these things, I want to go there and do battle. That's what I really want to do. 
I want to call, I want to email this lady and ask her, how do we know exactly where they're at? Because see, this is just on a map. It's not like you go there and say, okay, here's the portal. How do we know where they're at? Now, I don't know. You might have to have be real high up in witchcraft to be able to, to know that. And she might tell me that. But I don't know if there's any physical way we could identify these things. Because I really want to start going to these places and actually start praying against them. I want to start trying to undo what all the occultists worldwide are doing. I don't see how it's unbiblical, that's for sure. You're fighting the devil. You're, you're absolutely fighting the devil. And, and again, to me, it makes the Bible come alive. So, anyway, I, I just wanted to kind of show you that. That this is very, very real. There's whole books being written on it now. There's one guy named Tom Horn that's actually wrote a book on these. He's actually coming out with another one. And it's a fictional story. Said in a fictional way, but it's actually a ton of truth. Because he realizes that he can't just put a book out on this. They probably wouldn't let him release it. But if he does it, if he weaves it into a tale of fiction, he can actually release the book and have a bigger readership because more people will be open to read a book of fiction than they would um, something that was coming out like a documentary of a particular problem. Most people say, oh, that can't happen. But I'm telling you, this whole spiritual battle is going to get more and more and more and more real the more farther we get into all this. This whole witchcraft thing we were just talking, how strong how much of a pull it has once you start it and if you start it and don't get out of it soon uh, it, it, it's like the devils that are influencing you and possibly possessing that person get stronger and stronger and stronger they get more and more of a foothold and it get, becomes harder and harder and harder to break free from it and so that's why it's so dangerous because that's what the devil wants, wants to do and um, you know, I know that if, if somebody's listening to this, they'll think, you know, well, this this can't be or whatever. But I'm telling you, you, you either face it now or you're going to face it in the very, very near future. Because you're not going to have an answer for the hope that is within you if a lot of this weird stuff starts happening and there's no explanation for it because the churches aren't teaching anybody how to deal with this. We need to have an answer. I, in a way, I'm when it does happen, to a certain extent... Uh, I'm not saying I'm looking forward to it, but at least I know I'm going to have an answer. You know? And I, I, the only thing I'm looking forward to about that is that is that hopefully some of the church will wake up and actually start to realize that a lot of what I have been saying and a lot of other people is actually more more reality than what they were ever taught in church. Because they're not, they're not getting this at all. Um, so anyway, that's, that's basically uh, the... Uh, the gist of that particular newsletter. Uh, this is a... Uh, what, what time is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, this is an article I got the other day from a guy named Paul Proctor, and this was right on the money. And it's entitled, Sin Management is Big Business. Uh, I caught an interesting article last week from LifeSites News that highlighted the frustrations of disgruntled AIDS activists by the name of Martin Sempa, who was commenting on the absurdity of a recent international AIDS conference held in Toronto. As I read his rant, I discovered some other rather disturbing parallels between the AIDS movement and the church growth movement, how they both handle, quote, disease. Here's just the way they said it. The AIDS industry is a multi-billion dollar international enterprise now, and those who gather to enjoy lavish meals in hotels in Toronto this week are more interested in managing the disease than curing it or stopping its spread. 
say in Martin Sempa, leading age fighter from Uganda. Well, that's the, that's the case with every disease on the planet. The medical industry, the pharmaceutical industry, has no has no uh, desire to cure anything. I just did an interview uh, this week on Free Market News Network on that very subject. I'll, I'll give you the, the download. So. If they can manage the disease, they can make money off it because it's reoccurring revenue. And then a sick population is also very easy to control. And if your sick population is where you're making your money from, they're very easily, very easily influenced because they're sick. Um, most of these guys don't care about stopping AIDS or HIV. They're just about managing the disease. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. He said pharmaceuticals, condoms, counselors, distributors... Advertising executives, grants for fake human rights groups, and celebrity status. If you have, if you have AIDS, you can be a star if you promote their agenda. It's become a disease of opportunity. If AIDS stopped today, there would be millions of people who'd stop getting an income. Same with cancer, same with heart disease, all that junk. Uh, I wouldn't waste my time, Sempa said when he was asked why he had not attended the conference. I didn't want to spend good money on fancy hotels and expensive meals to have no one listen to me. Because he's, he's against it. He's, he's, for, he's for exposing what's going on. In Bangkok, 2004, the president of Uganda was booed for promoting his country's abstinence program. He was booed. That's a, that's a real easy way to prevent AIDS. Abstinence. Um, it was a hostile social environment and not conducive for exchange of free ideas. A single mention of abstinence made them become rabid. Alright, there. Right there. I don't got to know any more than that. This is satanic. Our programs are under attack by human rights groups who claim that they are trying to turn people from sexual promiscuity are violating their human rights. Human rights to them means using condoms. Well, since the church closely follows the culture these days and imitates it for the sake of the, quote, kingdom, it should come as no surprise that the disease that disease is quickly becoming big business for the brethren as well. Thanks to all the hard work and dedication of pastors Rick Warren from Saddleback Community Church and Bill Hybels of Willow Creek Community Church, who co-sponsored their own AIDS conference at Warren's church last year called, quote, Disturbing Voices. Now, remember that little music video we saw where that guy was rapping? Well, that's, that was his conference. That was, that was uh, good old Rick Warren. Who's going to burn in hell hot? All these, all these supposed wolves in sheep's clothing are all going to burn in hell unless they repent. And I don't think they're at the point where they will repent or can repent. I think their consciences have been seared with a hot iron. That's my personal opinion. I pray to God that if it be possible, their souls be saved. But I don't, I don't think it is. I think they've crossed the line. He says, well, I submit to you that AIDS and the, quote, church, as Warren defines it, are both growing exponentially for the same reason. There is no clear call for repentance. That's the biggest thing. Only a call for love and compassion, which in reality perverts the gospel of repentance and the faith in Jesus Christ into an irresistible, permissible, unaccountable, compromising, gratifying, no-fault, humanistic faith and practice that not only allows open rebellion against God and His Word into the church, but it also welcomes it. As evidenced by the following quote taken from pastors.com, article covering a recent two-day ecumenical in interfaith conference given in Toronto. Dr. Warren stressed that it's that it is not a sin to be sick. We need to be moving from asking how you get HIV to how I can help. In other words, you know, hey, you know, just don't preach on the sin. If you got it, you know, how can we help? Now, where do you suppose Pastor Warren came up with this dialectical diversion away from the biblical truth? 
Well, in another article chronicling Saddleback's 2005 Disturbing Voice Conference, this is Rick Warren's conference, um, it was entitled HIV AIDS Conference Shifts, Shifts Focus from Education to Action. Uh, Rick's, Rick Warren's wife, Kay, said this, quote, Jesus never asked anyone how he or she got sick. Only the Pharisees did. Do you want to be a Pharisee? Or do you want to be like Jesus? If your compassion level goes up when you know it wasn't someone's fault, some, it wasn't their fault? Now, I could see if they were hemophiliac and got a blood transfusion. That's one thing. Or if they were molested by somebody that had HIV. That's, when, that's another thing. But most of the time, it's not the case. Most of the time, it's the gay population. Why is it mostly the gay population? Yes, you can say it's the judgment of God, and I don't doubt that. But, the reason that the AIDS epidemic was started, it was started through a vaccine given to, uh, a hepatitis B vaccine given to the gay male community in Chicago and San Francisco, and maybe one other, maybe it was New York, during the late 70s. That's when it started. That's why it is primarily promulgated through the gay community. Um, and also, I believe, over in vaccinations in Africa, too. That's why the half the nation Africa is dying right now. And they're very promiscuous, cause, and that whole continent's dying of AIDS. And it's by design. It's, it's a way to depopulate the earth, and they, and they want those, they're called useless eaters. They want them out of there. Africa's a land that's very, very rich in minerals and things of this nature, diamonds and things of this nature, and they want the, the indigenous people off the land so that the people that are in high places can actually own this land and um, um, exploit it more than they've already done. Uh, so, let's see here. He goes on to comment about this Rick Warren his wife's comment. He says, first of all, Jesus Christ is, is God incarnate, is therefore omniscient. So he never asked anyone how sure he got sick because he already knew, number one. Secondly, is Kay Warren suggesting that AIDS really isn't anyone's fault? Or that holding people accountable for their behavior is, is somehow wrong? Now granted, I know why AIDS got started and that wasn't really our fault. But, the fact of the matter is, is that it's spread through sexual, promiscuous sexual contact, okay? Primarily, primarily. Or IV drug users, or hemophiliacs that got a blood transfusion. These, these are the main ways it's spread. Um, and is, it, is, is she also saying if Christians are so much as to suggest AIDS is someone's fault, and teach that they are accountable for their behavior, that we are not being compassionate and therefore Pharisees. No, actually we are being compassionate when we teach that. That's what Jesus did. He said, um, was it to Mary Magdalene, go and sin no more? You know, repent? Okay, well, that's what we're supposed to do. Well, that's what he says here. He says, what about go and sin no more? Commands from Jesus to the woman caught in adultery in John 8.11. Does that make him uncompassionate Pharisee as well? Well, if he walked the earth today, that's what they'd be calling him, I guarantee you. They wouldn't be able to spot Jesus. They wouldn't even know who he was. They'd say he's a false prophet if he was walking the earth today. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Isaiah 5.20 And we wonder why the fire is gone from today's pulpits and the church is looking more and more like the fallen world around us in its lukewarm Laodicean love and compassion. You see, if there's no sinful behavior at work, there's no need to repent. And if there's no need to repent, there's no need 
to change our ways or our ways of thinking. So the seeker-sensitive, purpose-driven church growth, Christian, simply carries on unconcerned, unfettered, and unrepentant in the name of Jesus. That's why our church growth today looks more like cancer than a cure. Well, but the mega churches are there. It's a cancer. It's cancer. It's not, it's not a good thing what we're seeing. Willow Creek Senior Facilitator Bill Hybels obviously agrees with the warrants, judging by these following remarks taken from PurposeDriven.com at the same conference. Bill and Linda Hybels of Willow Creek Church shared that the church must be a safe place where people can come to for healing and acceptance. It's not our place to ask how or why people contact the disease. It's just our place to love them. End of quote. Again, no matter, no mention of sin, no call for repentance, just acceptance. So by lovingly focusing on, on the symptoms and the side effects of sin rather than on the cause and the cure, the church not only sustains itself, but they capitalize on this to grow their numbers while hell retains the reservations of the unrepentant. Whoa, what a sentence that is. You got a, you got a reservation with hell? Well, it's going to stay. It's going to stay reserved if you go to one of these churches because you're not going to get saved. You're not going to hear nothing about repentance, and they're going to actually profit off it. Because the way I thought about it was, you know, you go to these churches and they sin management is big business. They're managing the business of sin. In other words, instead of preaching repentance or these things, they're preaching the opposite. They're preaching acceptance. They're preaching anything goes and, and Jesus loves you no matter what. That's how they're making their money. That's how they're doing it. That's how they're growing the big numbers. They're managing sin. They're doing exactly what the medical profession is doing with drugs. Here, you got this symptom, take this drug, cover it over. That's what the church is doing. It's no different. Um, so they basically... Uh, Leaving them to conclude that because sin is merely a quote disease, it is not really their fault. That they are just a good person with bad problems, who by joining the co-opted and camouflaged liberal United Nations agenda of tolerance, diversity, and unity via the Christian conservative church growth movement, they miraculously find a purpose in life, purpose-driven church, and a people who would generously stroke their self-esteem while compassionately strolling them into a spiritual ruin by telling them exactly what they want to hear. Right there. Everything's said pretty much right there. Um, Mega churches and parachurches organization and their ministries, affiliates and support groups seem now to have programs for almost every psychological ailment, addiction, disorder, disease, and distress known to man. But the one thing that is absent is biblical call to repentance. Could it be that those in the sin management business really don't want such a message preached? Hey, it's a business. It's a 501c3 corporation. The CEO is the pastor. The board of directors are the deacons. That's how it's designated through the IRS. It's a business. (laughs) After all, all their prospects and participants actually turn to Jesus Christ in true repentance and faith and experience His healing, deliverance, in life transforming, transforming power, many of their popular programs would be rendered irrelevant. In other words, if their prospects actually really did turn to Jesus and really repented, many of their popular programs would be rendered irrelevant. They wouldn't have all this sin management going on. 
And that would spell disaster for the sin management industry called the church growth movement. And subsequently a lot of people would be out of work. The love of money is the root of all evil. It's the same way why medical doctors, oncologists stay with what they're doing, giving poison drugs and chemotherapy, radiation. It's not fixing anything. They're just burnt, slashing and burning and hoping that the patient might live through it. Many times they don't live through it. But they've done nothing to change the internal environment of that person's body so that the problem doesn't reoccur. Well, this is the same problem. They've done nothing to change the internal environment of that person's soul or spirit that they don't continue in the sin. They're not doing that. They're saying continue in in your sin. God loves you. And people are coming out of the woodwork now going to these churches because they're saying, yeah, this is the way I always believed it should be. That they should accept me as I am. And I like this church because this is how it seems like it should be to me. Well, there is the way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So this is great for them. What kind of transformation is he talking about? Uh, Into a United Nations compliant, purpose-driven puppet where Jesus Christ is in all... Where is Jesus Christ in all this? Where is the gospel and the call to repentance? It's not there. In spite of Rick Warren's dialectic call for transformation being purpose-driven, the fact is most sinners aren't being transformed. They aren't being delivered, they aren't being healed, and they aren't being saved because they aren't repenting and surrendering their lives to Jesus Christ. They're only getting treatment and therapy by sin management specialists who frankly are enjoying a rather booming business right now. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. 2 Timothy 3.5 Until each of us individually acknowledges just who and who and what are we are in the sight of Almighty God and our sin is confessed and repented of in brokenness, humility and total surrender before His only begotten Son who paid, it, who paid for it on the cross 2,000 years ago, we, can ulti- we ultimately face an unspeakable and unrelenting torment that no man or program can treat, comfort or cure. Jesus said, quote, in Luke 5.32, I came not to call the righteous but the sinners to repentance. Um... If you want to see a perfect example of just how the church body undermines the gospel by imitating the world for the sake of growth, reread the lengthy quote near the top of this article. And simply replace the word AIDS with the word sin and the word abstinence with the word repentance. I think you will find the um, egregious parallels between AIDS movement and the church growth movement compelling. And through covetousness shall they with vain words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not. And their damnation slumbereth not. 2 Peter 2.3 This is in regard to these people. They're doing this. Okay, that's it. I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we do thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for all your goodness and your mercy. I praise you, Lord God, for all that you've done for us, God. Um, Lord, I just pray, God, that you guide us in all truth and wisdom and mercy. I pray, God, that you would forgive us for any and all sins that we have committed in any way, shape, or form. God, that we would come before you clean. Lord God, I praise you, Lord God, for your goodness and mercy. Lord God, I I don't know how you're going to exactly work everything out in the future. But I do pray, Lord God, for your remnant. Lord God, that you would wake them up, that you would strengthen them, Lord God, that you would use them mightily in the people in this room that you would use them mightily, Lord God, for your glory, that many would be saved through them, Lord God, through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, God. I pray, God, for your fear 
to be upon the sin-sick world. I pray to God you would destroy the works of the wicked, God. I pray, Lord God, as the Bible says, that you would arise and let your enemies be scattered in the name of Jesus Christ. Not because I'm asking them to go to hell, God. I pray, God, those that can be saved would be saved, God. But those that will not be saved, God, and you know the beginning from the end, Lord God. You know who's going to get saved and who's not. Those that will just continue on in wickedness and ultimately damn more people to hell and sin more. I pray, Lord God, that you would deal with them even now this day. As you said in your word, but God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded, so they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away, and all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider of his doing. The righteous shall be glad, and the Lord shall trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. Lord God, I see no downside to any of this. I pray, Lord God, that you would destroy their wicked works, God. And I pray to God their own tongue would fall upon themselves, so that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, so that ultimately your name would be glorified and that many people would be saved. I pray to God you destroy and burn up their wicked works, God. Every enemy of the body of Christ and every enemy of you, God, I pray, Lord God, you would even deal with them this day. Even these wicked organizations that have been set up in high places, Lord God, these wicked people that have been put over them, the 13 families of the Illuminati, God, I pray, Lord God, you would deal with all of them this day, that you would strip them of all their occultic witchcraft power, God, that you would cut off their communication, Lord God, from even from one another, and from the fallen angels and demons, Lord God, that they consult with. I pray, Lord God, that you have the heathen in derision, and that you would laugh at them, Lord God, and that they would know where the true power is. And I pray, Lord God, that you convict us individually of exactly what you would have us do to fight and to stem the tide of evil, Lord God, that's coming upon this earth at a breakneck speed. I pray to God that you would endue us with power from on high, Lord God, so that we could go forth without any fear, God. Without any fear. Without any fear of man. We would only have fear of God on us. And that you would use us, Lord God, in mighty ways. I do pray, God, for your protection and your preservation over us, Lord. And Lord God, I pray to God for our unsaved family members, Lord God, that you would save their souls, for it's your will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance, Lord God. I praise you, Lord God. I thank you for all your goodness and mercy. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.